Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you so much for the day today. And I pray that, Lord, we will take the words at heart that have been sung. And Father, our focus today will be on you, giving you honor and glory and praise. And any wayward thought, Father, we'd shut that door. We'd focus upon the light of Christ. And we would be open to the opportunities to listen to what you have to say to us. And through the power of your spirit, Father, we'd make adjustments as necessary and commitments to you. Father, the service today is a celebration of a beautiful heritage of songwriters and hymn writers that uh, contribute so much to our worship of you. And Father, we know that you are the audience of one. And so today, we give you that praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here, First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We thank you for being here. It's a great time of celebration, a great time of year, and uh, what, a, what a time to celebrate who Jesus Christ is. And I hope that, uh, that you being here today, that you will engage in our time of worship and that you will hear what God has to say to you. And if this is the very first time that you've been here, we'd ask you to take the, the guest card in the pew in front of you, and fill it out in its entirety, and when you get ready to leave today, just drop it in one of the offering boxes. We would certainly appreciate that. Now I'd ask you, if you would, to stand. Let's continue our time of worship. It is with joy that we are going to be singing some hymns this morning that were written by some African-American composers and authors. The first one being, Bless That Wonderful Name of Jesus. 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 Jesus, no other 
the blood will never lose its power.
Good morning, church family. Would you pray with me, please? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this beautiful Lord's Day. We're thankful for the being able to come to Bible study and, and church and to learn more about you and to be with our fellow Christians. We just pray, Lord, for those that are hurting or ill or can't be here today, that you would please be with them, strengthen them, and bring them back to us. We just are so thankful, Lord, for the songs we've been singing today to you, and especially soon and very soon. And we just, that's what um, us as Christians count on, being able to see you soon and very soon, Lord. We just pray that you will be with Pastor as he preaches and that he will touch our hearts and um, we just praise these things in your own, your only son's name. Amen. I see the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. Would you stand again if you're comfortable? I see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted, and the throne of his robe fills. 
Our scripture reading for this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Please follow along in your Bible or on the screen as we are blessed by the words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook with the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs, from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. The Lord's words have been shared today, and we are enriched and uplifted by the sharing. These are the words of the Lord.
so much and that's what we want Jesus right our whole service has been focused around worshiping the Almighty God and his son Jesus Christ if you go back to the Westminster Shorter Catechism it lays out a series of questions and answers very first question simply ask what is the chief end of man and the answer is simple as well the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We have certainly glorified God today. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and have Christ as your savior and the spirit of, of God in your life, you will be with him forever. And you will also be with him every single day of your life. The purpose of believing and having a faithful life is the expectation of a vision from God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Have you ever wanted to see God? (laughs) 
I would say the answer is yes for most of us. <laughs> and we know that when our last day on earth is, and when we take our last breath, we're going to be in his presence. It's one of the things that uh, um, I heard this week when one of our members, Dwayne, uh, passed away. The very first thing on the other side of the phone when I talked to Bob was, man, he's, he's in heaven and he's seeing Jesus. <laughs> well, that's going to happen for each and every one of us who have a faith in him. But at the same time, the idea of a focus of living a full life for God and seeing him, every single one of us want to see Jesus the king someday. The invisible God that we serve will be gazed at for eternity. It will never stop. In the past, God has given us a preview of what God looks like, what he looks like. And one of those occasions is here with the prophet Isaiah in about 740 B.C. Isaiah was in God's house. He was in the temple. The scripture indicates that the temple, the, the, the building vanishes and Isaiah saw God as he is. It also gives us an understanding that we only see ourselves as we are when we see him as he is. We find the presence of God reveals his glory. The occasion for seeing God oftentimes experiencing him is usually a, a time of crisis. In fact, the scripture in Isaiah 6, 1 says, in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah had reigned for 52 years. And in his reign, there was significant increase and enlargement of the nation to one of its greatest times. But at his death, there was a void, there was a crisis, and in time would decline. His death marked a personal and national crisis. In a sense, God emptied an earthly throne in order that Isaiah could see his eternal throne. Talking about throne. The human leader was moved aside, and here he is experiencing God. God comes to us at life's critical passages. And when we come to understand that when a chair on earth is empty, we see the throne in heaven more clearly. So we find that the presence of God, it defies human description. Here, the scripture clearly and repeatedly states that no one will see God at any time. Numbers of passages in Exodus, John, 1 Timothy. You see, God is pure spirit and therefore is invisible. And yet, in Genesis 32, 30, <laughs> Jacob said, I have seen God face to face. And here in Isaiah, he says, I saw the Lord. 
we have to understand that God adapts himself to a form that mere humans can see. And that form is the Lord Jesus Christ. John stated in John 12, 41, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. John makes it clear that the human form and glory that Isaiah saw was the Lord Jesus Christ. We also find that the presence of God may take place in his earthly house. In verse 1 he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So whether in a temple or whether in church, the most likely place to see God is a place of worship. Isaiah must have been in Jerusalem. He was there at the temple. He was going about his normal worship activities when all of a sudden God broke in with his vision. What did you expect when you came today? Did you expect to meet God? Did you prepare yourself to meet God? Isaiah was a prophet. It seemed that he would always be prepared. But I'm not sure he was prepared for what he saw. You see, Isaiah went to church, and in going to church, he really saw God. Have you ever experienced that at any point in time in your time of worship? In your worship experience in your life, have you ever come... And God so spoke to you mightily and powerfully that it changed you. One of the things that helped to develop me as a minister happened during the days of January in 1990. Multiple days where I experienced God in a way I'd never experienced him before. And I saw God moving in ways that I'd never understood before. And it changed me. For Isaiah, this, this was a change. We also find that the presence of God emphasizes his position and his praise. God's position is one of elevation. In verse 1, Isaiah says he is high and lifted up. The emphasis is his power is towering over all other earthly powers above all that is human and is created there is nothing above God and so we see his praise it comes from both action and confession and it comes from the heavenly beings the seraphim are named only here in scripture. It's the only place that you'll see them. The very name means burning ones. And they're personal beings with faces, feet, and the capacity to speak. And Isaiah describes them in detail. In verses 2 and 3 it says, And above him were seraphim, each with six wings, two wings, they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. 
And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Being in the temple that day, Isaiah, he must have been trying to process everything that he was seeing, everything that he was experiencing. Looking at these creatures that God had created, the seraphim, my first reaction is that they were probably terrible and beautiful at the same time. I'd be terrified when I saw them, and yet they were so beautiful because of what was experiencing, what I was seeing, what I understood them to be. Their action is one of humility and activity and availability. Their humility is expressed in the covering of their feet and the covering of their faces. Their activity for God is ceaseless. The scripture indicates that they are hovering with their wings moving in his presence consistently, continually. And their activity is without ceasing to praise and to serve God. To praise and to serve God. So when Isaiah is seeing God and he's high and he's lifted up and the seraphim are flying in this sense of humility, continuing to hover around the creator of the universe, the Almighty, and they're singing back and forth one to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It had to have filled him completely. We find that the presence of God brings confession of his holiness. Here are the seraphim, they never stopped. They continue to cry back and forth like two choirs singing another response and back and forth and back and forth as they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth, he says. Everything that he has created. Fire, you guys have done a great job today. You've inspired and led us to our time of worship and celebration. And we, when we hear them sing and when we hear them lead us in our time of music worship, it brings us to the height. You can only imagine what the seraphim are doing. They, they continue as choirs calling out to one another, giving praise and homage to the only one who deserves it. Holy, 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 the very words suggest divine perfection that separates God from creation. There is some indication that the threefold repetition suggests the three persons of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
could also focus on, on the understanding of emphasis, that you are the only one. And I'm thinking that we should join them now. That we ought to, in our lives, invest and engage because we are believers in Jesus Christ and we are going to be with them for eternity. So how do we on earth now do what they do in heaven? How do we worship God? Well, I think we meditate deeply upon the attributes of God himself. And that's why it's so important to dive into the word of God and understand it to its completeness. It's why it's so important for us to allow the spirit of God to teach us and to guide us as we study, deeply study the word of God, and especially the attributes of God of who he is. And then the intimate time we have with him in our prayers, the time that we spend getting to know him and understanding him and engaging with him in our time alone and then I think we live a life of humble service to the king so many times we engage in our lives for ourselves and obviously we're to plan we're, we're to live life God has given us that privilege and that honor and he's also given it that that responsibility the responsibility to serve him in the midst of all that we do for he is the Lord God Almighty so when we look at this amazing event this vision we see that the presence of God it reveals the glory of God but it also shows the reaction of humankind and reveals our need. There first is a universal reaction to the praise of God. In verse 4, the scripture says, At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now you think about that for a moment. He says the very thresholds and foundations of the temple and the eternal temple shake with the reverberation of praise. As much as I would like to come and say that, that there was a great sermon that shook the temple, it was the praise to Almighty God. like a mighty organ shaking a cathedral. All creation vibrates with the praise of God. Everything God created gives him honor and praise and glory. And we as his highest, the crown of his creation, ought to do it more than any other type of creation. And to add to that a mysterious vapor or cloud of smoke, it adds to the mystery of this amazing vision of God revealing himself in a form that Isaiah could understand. 
also we find that there's a personal reaction to the presence of God. In verse 5, Isaiah, completely taken back, says, Woe, woe to me. I am ruined. And then he gives the explanation of why he says he's ruined. He says, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. You notice the exclamation is one of woe. It was not one of, isn't this absolutely amazing? What a spectacle God can bring about when he wants to. No, what the prophet said, the one set apart to communicate the word of God and the presence of God to the people, what he said was, woe to me. I'm undone. I'm ruined. When I measure myself to the Almighty God, I don't measure up. No, <clears throat> no matter how religious you are, Isaiah was a prophet. We might call him like a preacher. And no matter how far you set yourself apart, how much you have studied, how straight a life you try to live, what you come to grips with when you see God is how fall you how far you fall short. When mere humans see God as he is, they expect calamity to, to fall. That would be the next step. Isaiah felt as if he were about to, to dissolve, to be cut off completely from his existence. He thought, this is it. I'm seeing God and the judgment is coming because I am a sinner. When we see God, when we really see God and we experience him, we come to a place of confession. We don't look at anybody else. The very first thing we look at is us. Because we say, wow, I'm not there. That confession concentrated for Isaiah in the area of speech. When he saw God, he saw what he was lacking and it was in his speech, he said. I am a man of unclean lips. He feels deeply flawed before God in how he communicates. And then the next step is he recognizes he's not all by himself because there's a whole world of people like that. And he's not coming and saying, oh, well, at least I'm part of a larger group. He, it quickens him to the understanding that if he's that way, he sees all these people that way and they're lost, somehow God is about to intervene. 
So have you experienced God in such a way? Have you, have you come to a place where you have seen God, had a vision of God, you've experienced his moving in your life in such a way that all that you can do is come and say, here are the areas, or here's the area that I'm in bondage in, or here's where I sin, and I need to figure out how to address that. Have you ever experienced that? Where it was serious in your mind and your heart, and not just something that you cognitively acknowledge that, yes, I need to do this. But it changes your life. Such an experience will definitely lead to confession before God. A confession because you know that you need cleansing. You know that God is the only one who can take, take that away. It's a very powerful study, the returning to holiness. Dr. Gregory spoke on in January and and numbers of you bought books. You're probably working through them privately on Wednesday nights. We have a crowd of uh, 40, 45 that, that are coming and during the week working through the seven areas, seven categories of sin and, and the questions that it causes you on an individual basis to go through, to really seek the spiritual cleansing of experiencing God and understanding that God wants to, to, to take every aspect of your life and your mind and your heart and your soul and clean it out. So that you are a clean vessel before him. And that's what Isaiah is sensing here. An understanding that God is holy and I want to come beside him. And take on his holiness. Because we in ourselves will never do it. So we have that there is an understanding that there is a universal reaction to the presence of God. There is a personal reaction But also there is a heavenly reaction to the need of humankind. In verses 6 and the first part of 7, the scripture says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth. We see this reaction comes at the divine initiative. God intervened. With a nod from God, one of one of those fiery ones goes to the altar and with tongs takes the hot coals and he places it upon the lips of Isaiah because it was Isaiah who said, I am a man of unclean lips. And God is saying at the altar, you will be able to be clean. God's initiative. You notice that the cleansing comes from a place of sacrifice and it comes at the initiative of God. God is the one who speaks to us to say, this is the adjustment you need to make in your life. It's not that we get the bright idea. God initiates that. And when the Spirit of God is moving in your life and trying to help you to, to move some things out of your life that shouldn't be there, He will let you know. He'll take the initiative. You see, we know what Isaiah did not know that it was going to be at the altar at Calvary that the cleansing of sin would take place. It was going to be God's own son shedding his blood. No seraphim touches us with the hot coals. 
Rather, Jesus cleansed us with his blood. 1 John 1, 7 says, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. There is no other. You can't earn your way to, to get rid of that sin. You can't somehow work harder and be penitent to, to, to pay for that sin in your own way. It does not happen that way. You, you aren't good enough to do that, no matter how good you are. God wants us to know that we're forgiven. Isaiah was shown by deed and informed by the word of God that he was forgiven and he was cleansed. The messenger informed him of both his sin and the sin guilt had been covered. In verse 7 he says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. It's not what Isaiah did. He met God. He met God in the place of worship. And he realized when he saw God how holy he was. And he realized his own faults, his sin, no matter how many times he had preached and prophesied. And when he confessed that, at God's nod, a seraphim took the tongs and the burning stone, put it on his lips and said, you are healed. You are forgiven. He says that it's atoned for. The word atonement means that my sin is so covered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that God can no longer see it. I don't know about you, but as a sinner, I am really happy about that. <laughs> that brings a true sense of peace and well-being inside. Even though everything on the outside may be falling apart in our world, inside that inner peace and joy and that well-being comes. It's by deed and by the, the word the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross at Calvary. It gives you the word that says, I am honoring you. I pledge to you. I guarantee you that if you follow me, if you ask me into your life and you spend your life following me, that I will cleanse you and I will purify you. And you no longer have to try to do it on your own, which is impossible. So then we ask the question, what should we do? What should be the, the decision of humankind to the presence of God in our lives, when we experience Him, when we come to that place that God breaks into our life and we see Him as He is and we see ourselves as we really are. Well, verse 8 says, Isaiah said, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. I promise you, you will never be the same. You can never be the same after such an experience with God. It changes you. Isaiah had a radical change of insight and a new freedom. And for the rest of his ministry, he continued 
boldly to proclaim the gospel. And the question is for us, if you come face to face with the reality and you've asked Christ to come into your life, you are a follower of him, but maybe, maybe you are seeing God again and he reveals things to you. And this morning you confess those or you have recently confessed whatever. What do you do? You just say, well, hallelujah, and then go about your business? It can't be. It has to change you. It has to change your attitude. It has to change your actions. Isaiah became a glad volunteer. He was already a prophet, but man, his commitment for the rest of his life was on serving God. And yes, he was a prophet called by God. But every one of us, every single one of us who come into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, we are called the priesthood, the priesthood of the believer, the ability for us then to live a life set apart for God. So the question is, what are you gonna do about that? Would you today make the decision, if you've experienced him in this way, and say, you know what? I have the ability and I need the boldness to go and communicate God's love and hope to others. I'm gonna commit myself to be more focused on that. I, you know what, I'm gonna volunteer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna volunteer to be a prayer warrior. I'm gonna spend time alone with God and I, I'm really going to strive to spend my time petitioning and interceding on behalf of those who have needs and then I'm gonna come beside them and help them any way that I can. Then you know what? I'm gonna set my life apart for him. No matter where I go and no matter what I do. My experience with him in the temple and my experience of seeing him and experiencing the cleansing and the forgiveness that only he can give one who is ruined, then my life should be dedicated to him. And during our invitation this morning, I am asking you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'd like to find out more, you come to the front. I'll be here and I'll explain it step by step. Today, if this is a place you say, you know what, this is a church I want to be a part of because I want to reach our community and, and the ministries of this church are striving to do that, we'd ask you to come make that public decision. If you're a believer in Christ and, and, and you have been convicted today, God has spoken to you today about areas of your life, then in the time that you are in the pew, or the time that you're standing, just pray to God and ask him to move in your life. And if you have a public decision of rededication, you come. Or if you want to come to the prayer altar. But don't leave today without meeting God and making that commitment to him. And saying, yes, Lord, use me, send me. However you desire, I am yours. Father, in this invitation, help us to make the decision you are urging us to make and speaking to us in the name of Jesus we pray amen come as we sing Lord I want to be a Christian in my heart in my heart Lord I
seated if you would uh, in just a moment uh, Miss Nancy's going to come and share some opportunities for ministry but I do want to remind you that we are still um, uh, giving you the opportunity to sign up for the Watchman prayer ministry we have volunteers out on this foyer on uh, the front foyer uh, for you to take an hour during the week there, there are lots of hours still left so we'd love for you to uh, to take one of those hours they'll take care of you out there and then uh, next Sunday we launch our Watchman prayer ministry for the fifth year and it's an exciting time to hear stories of folks that, uh, that have spent hour, an hour in prayer, never thought they could. It's amazing. So I would ask you, take the opportunity. You, you can do it uh, if you're here all year long. You can do it if you're a snowbird. Uh, you can do it uh, if you're a guest. But we just want you to sign up and be engaged and involved in that. Okay, Miss Nancy? Also, if you have not purchased your ticket for the Spring Fling, which will be next Sunday at 5 p.m. in the CLC. Fried chicken dinner with all the fixings and entertainment by His Messengers, a gospel ensemble. You need to do that today. And you can do that in the small lobby. Debbie will be there to give you a ticket after you give her $15. So we need you to purchase a ticket today. If you're not prepared for today, then noon is our cutoff on Tuesday. We need to hear from you so that we can get a count in. There's also a sign-up sheet out there for you men to sign up for the men's breakfast, which will be a week from Tuesday at 8 a.m. on the 5th. And then the baby bottles that we've been returning filled with either loose chains or quiet money or checks for new life pregnancy. Those needed to be returned today, but if you forgot to bring yours or you need a little more time, we do need those brought back in by tomorrow noon. You can bring them to the office. I believe that is all. You can read some other things on the back of the bulletin. But as we stand, Joyce Dinelli is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer. Would you stand? See, all heads are bowed as we come before God to say thank you for this wonderful worship service today. We have been blessed today. 
We have blessed your wonderful name, O Lord, in song. We have said prayers. Order our steps in your word, dear Lord. And now we come as we go out into the world. We ask that you would order our steps, that you would be with us, that you would let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We ask that we would be unified as one, Lord. We are one. We pray, Lord, that we have made pledges to be watchmen on the wall. Help us to be steadfast in our pledge, Lord. Help us to really understand the meaning of how powerful prayer is. And that as we pray for our, each other, for our church, for our community, for our state, for our nation, and for the world, Lord, we all need to be in prayer. We thank you that you have given us the opportunity to pray. Millions didn't make it today. They gone on, but we're still here, and we pledge to continue to labor in your vineyard. I would like to close by saying, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Amen.